0: Good evening to our Madison Church online audience. And good morning to you guys today. Um, I'm really excited because uh, today's topic is one I am especially interested in. I kind of I couldn't wait to tell you about it, so I kind of cut in on Dan's time last week to tell you just how excited I was about this week. It's actually one of our values at Madison Church, one that we don't talk about very often. And so there are business leaders who would say, "Well, if you don't ever talk about it, is it really a value?" That's fair, but we're talking about it today, so touche, right? Um, Uh, This value that we have is about having an APEST culture. APEST culture. I bet you've never even heard of the word APEST or the acronym, but that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today, Um, our APEST culture. And we believe at our church we want to see the active presence of the apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, and teaching functions and ministries What the heck does that mean? Well, I'm going to unpack that for a long time today, but essentially, we believe in gifts based ministries. We believe that God has gifted you, God has wired you a certain way, and that. You're supposed to use that in the greater body of the church. It's not just a calling that you have, but it's supposed to be a function of our church. So if you want to use the Blue Bibles or your Bible app, we're going to be going to Ephesians chapter 4, and that's where we're studying pretty much one verse all today. Now, if it's your first Sunday with us, or you've missed some Sundays, don't worry about being confused. I'm going to slowly unpack it for you, what we've talked about the last three weeks. Okay, during week one of the series, I argued that your identity, that my identity, identity is first and foremost as a child of God. That before you are a whatever you do on Monday, that before you are a parent, that before you are a spouse, that before you are X, Y, Z, whatever you find your identity in, that you are first and foremost a believer. You are a Christian. You have been adopted into God's family, which led us into week two, which is that the family is a big family and it looks different. We can't just talk about celebrating diversity. We will celebrate diversity. But we also have to work toward diversity. It's not just going to happen on accident. And During that week, too, I issued a challenge that everyone get more involved to some capacity to serve. Last week, Dan's message was really encouraging and uplifting when he said, you are all a work in progress. (laughs) He said, you all suck and it sucks to suck, but that's okay because God loves you. No, that's not what he said. But the point was, was that none of us are perfect, which was a great segue into today because what we are talking about are the different gifts that exist in this room. Um, That's the quick version of the last three weeks. This is week four. All of that content is available online, and I would encourage you if you missed a week to catch up on it because this is really good stuff. The series called Masterpiece, we're trying to answer the question, who am I? And all of you have been asking that question your entire life. Even if you're not aware that's what you're asking, that's what you're asking. When you sign into Facebook or Instagram and they want to ask basic information about you, they're asking you, who am I questions? And how do you describe yourself? And what's objective and what's subjective? And, and what are things that we would like to be but we're not quite there? And what are things that we don't like about ourselves that we would like to take away? And it's in this passage in, in this book to the Ephesians in which Paul is answering the question, who am I to a group of of churches just like us in a city just like Madison. Now, today, we're talking about gifts and apest and because I know you probably have never heard of APEST before, I'm excited to teach you something about yourself that you did not know today. Most of you did not know. Some of you will. Um, but you have that green piece of paper all around you. And if you're watching online, we'll have a link for you to click to fill this out. But we're going to take a few minutes here for you to fill out this green piece of paper. Now, before we do, I've got to explain this because we have used to hand these out at our membership dinner uh, dinners, and uh, everyone would give themselves three the whole way down. Three is the always category. And uh, I know, that's, I'm like three, nobody's perfect, guys. Come on, get real, okay? <laughs> so, I would say only mark a three if this is something that happens every day, multiple times a day, at least every day. That's your requirement for three, Is it's like almost at least once a day, if not more, okay? Two, a two would be, it happens once or twice a week, or it happens once or twice every couple weeks, okay? So it's a little less frequent. Three is a month or less. Now, I know you're all gifted and wonderful and all of that, but you're not perfect. You're not all things to all people, right? So try to answer these correctly, and uh, there is no correct answer. Isn't that great? Everyone gets an A+, because it's self test. Okay. And not like the BuzzFeed quizzes we talked about in week one. This is actually going to be helpful. So I think Tamara's got a song. It'll be about three or four minutes, and then we'll talk about this. You can go ahead and uh, finish up. If you, you can keep finishing while I'm talking and add up your points too, if you haven't already done that. And we're going to push forward to that section in Ephesians chapter four, in, in which everything that we're talking about comes together. And here's what Paul says. Uh, beginning in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church and the body of Christ. All right, so week one, we said you are a member of of God's family. In week two, we said that the family was big and diverse and that we were going to have to work toward unity. In week three, we said that just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're perfect, okay? We're all still a work in progress, and today I want to say that you are gifted. You are gifted. God has gifted you with some amazing things to help the family out. Now, I just want you all to say that out loud. I am gifted. Introverts, just move your lips, okay? Say, I am gifted, Awesome. One extrovert in the room. <sighs> um, here are the gifts that God has given you. He says there are apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, and, and shepherds can be uh, used pastors or shepherds. It's it's the same word, okay? So shepherds or pastors, it's the same words. And, and these are good words that describe good gifts that God has given to you. Now, they've of course have been misused and neglected and in some cases have been a little bit abusive in the past, but just because that they've been used incorrectly in the past doesn't mean that we just throw it all away and pretend like it doesn't exist. No, we are in the business of redeeming things. And so we are going to redeem these gifts that Jesus has given us, these good gifts that Jesus has given us for our church and city. Um, remember that Paul is writing to a church that's probably our size, if not smaller. So he's not talking about super saints, people who are really super spiritual, people who went to seminary. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about normal, everyday people, just like you and me, who are going to go to work tomorrow, and and we're going to have ups and downs and relationship problems and financial problems or frustrations and tensions. And he's writing to people just like us, and he's saying, God has gifted you to make a difference exactly where you are at today, So you don't have to, like, okay, think that, okay, I've got to be, like, some sort of super spiritual person here. Um, Not at all. And so it's just just a gift from God. Now, if you scored highest, okay, if you scored highest on uh, that first one, the A, raise your hand. Did anyone score highest on the first one, the A? Online, let us know if anyone scored A. We have only one person here who scored highest on the A, so now everyone knows we're talking about you, okay? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize your entire life in about three minutes, okay? Uh, so, of course, nobody could accurately do that because you all come from different places and backgrounds. We're talking about generalities about these uh, things that God has gifted us, and so the A stands for apostle, and the apostle means the sent one, the one who goes first. If you're an apostle, apostle, there's a chance that you love new things. I mean, new things are exciting to you. You love talking and dreaming about brand new ideas. The new stuff just gives you an adrenaline rush. You don't mind the risk. Actually, the risk doesn't scare you at all if, if the end game seems worth it to you. You love change and you love taking on new challenges. Now, every gift, every one of these things has a shadow side. It's a little bit of a weakness or perhaps we can call it immaturity. Um, and I'm gonna go through all of the gifts like this, not just the apostle, okay? <laughs> Um, But for the apostle, um, you have to watch out because you can easily fall in love with every new idea that comes your way and then end up never ever following through with any of them. You're like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, this is a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, let's do that. And then it's like, well you didn't do any of those things. Well, I know, but there's this new idea that I'm really excited about. And and the thing is, if you're in leadership, that drives the people underneath you crazy. Because it's not that they're adverse to change. Sometimes they are. And it's not that they don't like things getting better. And it's not that they don't like new ideas. But everyone else is kind of wired more in the sense of a builder. And so when the apostles come into the room and they got the whiteboard up, and I know that I'm guilty of doing this, even though apostle isn't where I've scored the highest, but I've been guilty of writing something up on the board and being like, this is what We're going to do, and it's going to be great and exciting. And the builders in the room are like, "Okay, let's do this." And then next month, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Let's we'll have a new idea," and that kills the builders. (laughs) They're like, "What the heck?" And because I don't know how much emotional energy they've spent thinking about this. um, Because I know that I only spent like ten seconds as I was writing it on the board. This is going to be great. Um, But so that's kind of the weakness. But here's why the church needs you. The church absolutely needs apostles. If you're watching online, we need apostles. Um, We're counting on you guys to start new things at our church, new small groups, new ministries, new campuses. We need apostles who are brave and bold and confident to step out into the unknown and lead those of us who aren't as confident in that, and we'll follow those apostles into new territories. Now, apostles probably love our church because we just started five years ago, and we're opening up a couple new sites, and we're always trying to start new small groups, and so there's this excitement for the apostle here. Now, another thing that could happen with the apostle and a little bit of an immaturity kind of thing to grow from is that apostles can get really discouraged if we don't pursue every single idea that they have. They throw out 10 ideas, and what they don't realize a lot of times is that you've actually thrown out 100 ideas over the course of the last month. It's just 10 ideas this meeting. And then what the apostle gets frustrated, they're like, well, no one ever listens to my ideas. It's like, no, we are listening. We're just trying to decide which of the hundred you pitch that we should go after and which ones are you not quitting on because we know that eventually you're going to quit on them. And so for, for everyone else looking at the apostle, um, that can be a little bit of the, that tension, that immaturity, that area to grow. So if you are an apostle, like the area for you to grow is to continue to be excited, continue to show up to the new things because oftentimes when you start new things, the apostles are the ones who show up and it's maybe one or two other people with them, right? And so we need the apostles to keep showing up, to keep being excited, but I don't want you to be discouraged if you're an apostle and you're like, man, why doesn't everyone get as excited about my ideas as I do? And it's not necessarily that. It's just that people are wired a little differently. And so we want to continue to encourage our apostles to push forward. Um, Who scored highest on the P section, that next section? No, oh, there we go. Got one, and online again, if you scored it, write it down. let us know uh, that 's my highest one. So this is all sudden i 'm going to make fun of me and, and and everything you need to know about me i 'm about to tell you and, and it 's going to make so much sense for you who work closely with me you're like that 's why he 's so messed up. okay Now, you tend to think that prophets are people who can predict the future and speak on behalf of God. Not really, okay? So a lot of times in the Old Testament when we read about prophets, that happens like one out of 10 times whenever the prophet speaks. They don't do a whole lot of telling of the future. I can tell you that I've never had the ability to tell the future, not at all. I mean, my wife got pregnant with our first son, Oliver, and I knew roughly in nine months we would have a son, and that's about as close as I've ever come to being able to predict the future. Now, there are other times, though, when um, somebody will walk up to me and start talking, and I do feel like God is revealing things about them, and mostly it comes through the form of an emotion. So when I'm up here praying with people or I'm talking with people, sometimes I can feel a darkness Sometimes I can feel a heaviness. Sometimes I can feel joy and happiness, and I can feel that. And I don't think that I'm, like, special. I'm not. definitely not a psychic. This is a gift from God that just gives me that discernment on God saying, hey, this is what that person's going through, and, and to sense that. And so if you're a prophet, you probably can do that too. You walk up to people, and, and maybe you can kind of read them quickly and 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 whatnot. Um, But now here's the thing, okay? Um, Prophets have blind spots. Uh, Since prophets can be discerning, um, they can easily become arrogant and think that they are right most of the time, because most of the time they are right. Spoken like a prophet, right? Most of the time we are right. Why wouldn't we be confident about that? Um, No, but seriously, pride is terrible. And prophets, we can become loners because when people aren't listening to us and we feel so strongly about something, I mean, we're posting about it all the time on Facebook, we're annoying our friends with it, they don't want to talk to us anymore about it. And we can get so frustrated that we become loners or we just find other prophets to hang out with so we can all complain but the church absolutely needs prophets. The church needs prophets because prophets say, look at that group over there, they're marginalized. Look at that over there, that's a problem. We gotta do something about that. But it's not just that. They can look at the church and say, hey, this is an issue in our body. This is what God has told us to do. God spoke through the apostle and said that we're gonna start a new campus. But then we've started to drift from it, and the prophet can come in, and what the prophet does, and my wife will tell you that this is so true, the prophet will say what everyone is thinking, but nobody's willing to say. The prophet has no issue coming in and saying it. They're a little bit blunt and confrontational sometimes, uh, uh, oftentimes marked as insensitive, um, and I've been called all of those things and worse, okay? So um, I I know that that's true, but we need prophets, because the prophets will continue to say we need to do these give back events at Madison Church. Like when we have the gratitude dinner at the end of November, I'll be the one who's like, we need to be there, we need to be there, we need to be there. And I'll be the one most frustrated when people don't show up because I'll be like, they we're serving our community. How can you guys not be here? Don't you know that this is what God wants? And that's what's going on inside of me. Now I've, I've grown a little bit so I can hide that a little bit. I'll be like, oh, we missed you. You suck. No, I won't do that, but... <laughs> I might think that for a moment, but I'm growing up, and I'm trying to, you know be mature about it, but we need the truth-tellers in our communities. We need people in our church who will tell us the last 10 percent of what people are afraid to say. Um, we need the prophetic gift. Now who scored Big numbers on the E? The E. Oh my goodness. I can tell where this is already going. <laughs> we have one person with an E. We had one person with the A. One per two people with the P. One person with the E. The E are our evangelists. Now, uh, you might think evangelists like does that mean that Jake is at State Street, standing on a soapbox, handing out like little flyers? And and no, not really, not quite. Um, the, certainly, it can include that, but um, evangelists are people. Uh, who can gather people? They invite people, they encourage people to come, they bring people with them, um, they like to party, they like big social events where the rest of us are like, oh, another one. The evangelists are like, let's do it. Even if they're not the extroverts, okay? Please understand that extroverts and introverts, you can be an introverted evangelist. They just like to be around people. Um, they love connecting people with God and each other. They're the ones who take all of our stuff on the table out there and, and give it out, or they, at least it's it's in the car piled up because they keep thinking they're going to give it away, and then they're like, oh, I got to give this the next time I see them, and they keep taking our stuff. And that's okay. Keep doing that. Um, Chances are, if you're an evangelist, you are consistently inviting people to come to your church or come to small group. Um, if you have the gift of evangelism, one of the things that you have to be careful is to not love and leave people. So evangelists can come on and be this kind of warm and fuzzy type of person and make, you know, the, oh, they care about me, they love me, they're my best friend, and then they, like, dump you and leave you. And you're like, what the heck, man? Like, I thought we were tight. And, and so if you're an evangelist, you got to be careful, um, how you're being perceived by other people. They might think that you're like their best friend. So when you don't respond to their text calls, you don't show up, they think you're blowing them off. Um, we just gotta be able that we value people. People are not projects, okay? That's for the prophet or the evangelist. People are people. They are not projects for you to fix. They're people to be loved. Now, our mission needs evangelists because more than any of these five groups, the evangelists are the ones who grow the church, Now, I'm not talking about taking other believers from other churches and bringing them here. Okay, that's not what the evangelist does. The evangelist grows the church through real, authentic conversions. They reach out to neighbors who are far from God. They reach out to coworkers far from God. They get other people excited about God's mission, and they bring people into the community. And so we need the evangelistic gift in our church. We're getting to the last two, which now I'm suspecting that we're going to start having some hands raised. Who scored highest on the S? Raise your hands high. Because everyone else, look around. These are the people, if you need a hug, find them. Okay, that's honestly the shepherds. They are the people, if you need a hug, go find them. Um, Shepherds tend to be tenderhearted people. They are encouragers. They are caretakers. They're people who honestly feel your hurt. They're not just people who understand your hurt. I'm a prophet. I can understand the hurt in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, that must not be good. That must hurt. I don't like that. Whereas the shepherd honestly, deeply to their core, just feels that. And they care about people very, um, very deeply. And so, um, and sometimes that doesn't mean that they're softies, uh, because shepherds also tend to be the people who want to protect the flock. So they can be a little bit defensive or offensive if they sense that the people they love and that they care about are going to be hurt. So they can become protective in that sense. Now, shepherds, here's where you need to be careful. All of these other ones are like prophet, don't say this, don't do that. Apostles, don't do this, don't do that. The shepherds is like they're such good people because with the shepherd warning would be be careful that you set clear boundaries with your own health. Uh, The shepherds in the room will take care of every hurting person, and their cats, and their dogs and everything else, (laughs) and want to heal them all. And in the process, they run themselves down as shepherds. They run themselves down, so they can't heal anybody. It's the great analogy of if you're in an airplane, and it's going down, and the oxygen masks fall, uh, you got to put your own mask on first before you can help the kid. Because I can tell you, if I put Oliver's mask on first, my firstborn son, if I put Oliver's mask on first, and then I passed out, Oliver's not going to be able to put my mask on. I don't foresee either of us surviving a plane crash, if that's the situation, but if we would pass out, I wouldn't even be awake for the thing, you know? Um, and so secondly, shepherds, you can also allow people to become too dependent on you. That is a thing, okay? So when, we, so when I studied psychology as an undergrad and a little bit into grad school, we would talk about um, having healthy boundaries as a therapist. You, the, the goal of counseling isn't to make somebody lean on you the rest of their life, The goal of counseling is to help people become more independent. There's a season in life in which they will be dependent on you. So there will be people, if you're a shepherd, there are people who come into your life that need you to love them, care for them, help them. That's great. But you have to do it with the goal in mind that I need to help this person become healthy. And how they become healthy is by establishing independence later down the road. Otherwise, you're going to have 40 or 30 or 20 people who can't make a decision without you. And some of you shepherds know that that's true. You're like, yes, as you're talking, that's very true. Um, We need shepherds because shepherds help people feel loved. They help people feel loved by God. Shepherds connect people outside of church. This hour that we have is great. I love coming together. Our small groups are great. But the shepherds are also like, hey, this is what we should do this Saturday. This is what we should do this Thursday night. And they come up and they show up. It's not necessarily always a big party. It could just be a one-on-one for coffee. We definitely need um, the Shepherds. Now, how many of you scored highest on the T for teachers? One, two, three, four, four. Dan, what was yours? T? Okay. No surprise. Um... Our teachers, I look around the room and i 'm like, yeah, they are like some really just smart, intelligent people. they like to learn, they like to take a lot of information in, um, they like to share new insights through the people who are always sharing new articles that they just read and um, did you know this and oh, I heard about this, and they 're trying this new thing and and that 's the teachers they're, um, if you 're good at that if you 're good at teaching, you probably have the gift of teaching. This is one of those um, Gift that transfers really well into the other and to the outside world because we have teachers by profession all over the place, especially in Madison, where we're a university town. But this is a spiritual gift that God has given to the church to teaching. Now you got to be careful of this, though. Okay, if you are a teacher, here's your warning: um, you will be inclined to love the book. You know which book I'm talking about—the Bible or any book. Or any article, you could become so obsessed with acquiring new information because that in your mind is the economy, is knowledge and taking it in. And you can become so obsessed with that that you forget that the reason we have the book, the reason we gather, the reason we study is to know how to follow Jesus better. It's not about what we know, but it's about what we do with what we know. And so the teachers, the caution here is don't become so obsessed with learning that you forget why we're learning, and that is to follow Jesus, to be more obedient. Now, we absolutely need teachers. We need teachers in our small groups to share insights. We need teachers down the hallway working with our kids. We have Dan come up here, and, and you guys can probably tell already, because Dan just taught last week, and I'm teaching this week, that when Dan teaches, he teaches like a true teacher. He comes up, and he's teaching you things about the passage, about the background, about all of these things, and I always walk away learning probably 10 or more new things when Dan teaches. And whereas when I come up to teach and to speak, it's more of that prophetic thing. And it's more about, this is what God said. Why aren't you people doing that? And so it makes sense that we, and it's a good combo because I don't, I think that if you only ever heard from me, um, that could be just overdone. You can eventually get so burned out from me just being like, do this, do this, do this. It's nice to have Dan be able to come up here and change it up a little bit. We need our teachers. But you aren't just gifted for yourself, right? And that's kind of, I've been mentioning that, but I just want to reiterate, God didn't just make you really cool with all of these passions and talents and just say, okay, now just go and live your life and do things that you like. Every single one of us are gifted for one another, What should we do with all the information I just told you? Should you get on your phone right now and update your Instagram bio? Hello, my name is Stephen. I'm a prophet. Like, no, don't do that. thousand times, no, don't do that. Hey, my name is Judd. I'm an apostle. Call me the Apostle Judd. You can call me AJ. Hey, I like that. No, no, that is not what we should do at all. There's actual practical implications of the knowledge that we are talking about today. And that was... um, in Ephesians, in that last verse that I shared, in which Paul writes, why do we have these gifts? He says, to equip God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ, that's the church, okay, when you read that word in the New Testament, the body of Christ, they're talking about the church, so that the church may be built up. God gives good gifts to people, and he gives people with gifts to the church. It's not just a calling that you have as a prophet, and evangelist, teacher, shepherd, or an apostle, but it is a function of our church. Our church needs all of these pieces. What do I mean? Well, the apostles in the church will make sure that our church will make sure that Madison Church always is a church that is about expanding Christianity. It's about always reaching out. It's about planting churches, planting the gospel. It's about mobilizing people for ministry, The prophets help our church encounter God and to speak the truth and to champion justice and to call other people to live the way that God wants them to live. The evangelists make sure that our church is always invitational. The evangelists are always thinking about the person who comes in for the very first time. And so we absolutely need our evangelists to do that, to be witnesses and to recruit people to the cause of connecting people with God and each other. Shepherds, the pastors, they develop social bondings, they encourage peace, and they cultivate a community of love. Our shepherds are doing a great job here at Madison Church. I always feel like we do a good job expressing love. Our teachers, um, some of the ways that they impact our church is that they bring wisdom and understanding to us. They like learning, and so they will be constantly taking in a ton of information and give us the little bits of information that's really helpful to us, and so we need these teachers to cultivate a love of the Bible, of God's Word, and developing resources for learning. I'm gifted for you And you are gifted for me. We are gifted for each other. We have to use our gifts to serve one another. And it's then and only then will we be a church that can effectively connect people with God and each other. Paul says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So my challenge to you today is a couple questions. You know what your gift is now. Did it surprise you? I guess for a lot of you, not really. didn't surprise you. Maybe there's some aspects about it, and that's okay because there are different types of apostles. There are different types of teachers. So that's okay. There's, There's some parts that you didn't really resonate with. And it doesn't mean that just because I'm not a gifted shepherd, I don't have to love other Christians. It doesn't mean because you're not a gifted evangelist that you don't have to love people far from God. All of us will have these gifts in us because we have Jesus in us. But some of us have been called and have a very strong part of our personality that's for this gift, and we have to walk out in that. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to contribute to Madison Church, this community of faith, this community of believers? Are you willing to contribute your gift, to give back using the gift that God has given you, whatever that might be? Apostles, we need you to continue to come and build a sense of mission amongst us, Be the voice of ongoing mission. Never, ever let this church drift away from the mission of connecting people with God and each other through reproducing and multiplying. That's my charge to you. Prophets, equip us to hear God's voice, but not just hear it, but to do something about it. Never let us be a church that are mere hearers of the word. Always push us to be doers of it. Evangelists, we need you to foster a sense of urgency. You understand better than most that we stand between people and their eternal destiny. Evangelists get that. It weighs heavy on you that we are the difference between heaven and hell. Let us never forget that that is why we do what we do. Shepherds, continue to come and love one another, be connected with one another. I don't want Madison Church to be a friendly church. Something that we just put on the website. Actually, it's not even on the website. We want it to speak for itself. When people come into our church, they're like, I felt loved. I felt invited. I felt included. I could tell people genuinely cared for me. I never want it to be something that we have to talk about. We're a friendly church because we're not a friendly church. I want it to be something we don't have to talk about because we are such a friendly church. It's part of our culture, and we need the shepherds to do that. Teachers, help us to devote ourselves to reading, understanding, and living what is written in God's word, in the Bible. Push us, encourage us, challenge us. Don't let us drift from sound teaching. Once we begin to do that, if we begin to do that, everything else starts to crumble. Teachers, keep us centered. If you haven't been using your gift personally or corporately in the church, my challenge to you is pretty simple. Start, do it. I understand that sometimes you're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to come up short. Don't miss twice. If you miss next Sunday, come to the next Sunday. If you volunteer on one team, don't like it, try another team. But always, always, always be pushing to give back using the gifts that God has given you. Here's what I firmly believe. You are all here for a reason. You are all here for a reason. The Spirit has led you to this place to hear this message And I believe that if you don't give back with your gifts, if you don't serve to some capacity, that this church is not doing something that God wants it to do. That's why God brought you here. Because there's something he wants us to do that we can't do without you. Right? Everything we can do with our current people, we are already doing. But you, you are here. And maybe people you know can add and contribute to our culture of connecting people with God and each other. What could we become? Can you imagine a church that has all five gifts working and expressed differently? I want to end with something I read right before the service as I was testing my mic. I read this and I thought, oh man, this is so good. I want to share this, that this is what the church could look like. It's a book called Primal Fire by Neil Cole, and it's about this apest gifting. He writes, the apostle gift is rooted in the mission of God. The prophetic gift is rooted in the will of God. The evangelistic gift is rooted in the compassion of God. The pastoral gift is rooted in the oneness of the triune God. The teaching gift is rooted in the knowledge of God. All of these aspects of God must be fully present and functioning for the church To be whole and healthy. Madison Church could be a church that's all about the mission of God, that's all about the will of God, that's all about the compassion of God, that's all about the oneness of the triune God and all rooted in the knowledge of God. That's the church we're working for. That's why we're doing this series. That's the who am I question. We need every single person in here. Remember, it's not just enough to celebrate diversity. We have to work toward diversity. And that's not just diversity in the way we look or where we come from, but it's diversity in the gifts that God has given us. Will you guys be a part of that with me?